Good morning. I am going to invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs. We'll be looking at chapter 3 today, verses 1 through 8, as we um, continue our Walk in Wisdom series. And Joe will be teaching us this morning. Again, we are in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. This passage is particularly familiar, so I'm going to encourage you today, maybe just close your eyes, listen to it, but try to listen to it new. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth the treasure trove of truth that is found in these eight verses. And Father, we, um, we want to be people that trust you with all of our heart, and we want to learn what that, more about what that looks like today and to understand more what it means to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And so, Father, we pray that you would Help us lay aside any of the distractions uh, that we have brought in with us today. Help us be attentive. Capture our mind this morning. Capture our heart as well. Help us be attentive and eager learners of your word. And we pray that you would bless Joe as he comes up to teach us this morning and use him for your glory. In your name we pray, amen. So good to see everybody today, and uh, for those of you joining online, good morning to you too. Uh, we long to be with you again, and uh, we think and pray for you often. So, um, well, this morning is pretty exciting for me because today I got to see a vision realized that I had four years ago when I, I came on staff here, um, and that vision was to have um, really meaningful time of worship with our adults, and then to be able to share that with our students and to get a student band off the ground like a self-sufficient one. And then after that, for those students to lead our kids in worship. And this morning, if you heard some grumblings, it was not the Tex-Mex I had yesterday. It was our kids downstairs leading the next generation to worship the King. So I'm jazzed up. I'm really excited. Paul asked me to preach today. And I was like, dude, I got a hundred things going on. But I love this passage too. This passage has really meant a lot in my life through many years and through many conversations. And I can't tell you how many times I reached out to another parent for some wisdom and advice 
And they basically quoted this passage to me. It is so applicable for today. So we're going to dig right in. If you have a Bible with you and you want to turn to Proverbs 3, we're going to start in verse 1 and work our way down. I want to encourage you to do that. It'll also be on the screen too. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. I think it's important. We're going to speak about heart a lot in this passage uh, to define what heart is because that word gets thrown around a lot. And um, so we're going to look at some other scripture here to kind of culminate what we mean when we say heart. In Matthew reads, but Jesus, knowing their thoughts said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So in this instance, um, our heart is referring to our ability to think, our critical thinking. Um, In Acts, we see that uh, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. So in this way, it's a will, it's a desire, it's an action to do. Um, And lastly, in John, we see, um, so also you have sorrow now, but I'll see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. So in this way, it's an emotion. So as we read this passage and we read about heart, like how we're supposed to do this with our heart or in our hearts, I want you to think about in your mind, in your will or your action, and in your emotions. Um, so in this passage, the first half we see, don't forget my teaching. That's very simple. This is what I love about Proverbs. A lot of it is read it, do it, and this is one of those things. Don't forget, um, but let your heart keep my commandments. Now in the 10th century BC when this was penned for the Jews, um, that would have been a very literal thing. Literally saying, do not forget what we have in the Mosaic Law, in the Pentateuch, basically like all those Old Testament commands saying, hey, do this, do that, do that. Um, He's instructing them to don't forget that. But with everything you are, with your mind, with your desires, and with your emotions, apply them to this concept. But how does that apply to us today as a modern day Christian? Uh, Well, it hasn't changed, but it has been fulfilled through Jesus. So for us, um, Jesus gets asked, hey, what's the the greatest commandment? And what does he say? Love God, love other people. And so over charge to the modern day Christian is, let all that you are, let your thinking, your doing, and your feeling, put that towards loving God and put that towards loving each other. Oh, we're upside down over here. That's pretty fun. First service, little vibe. Um... Here's verse two, for length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now we've seen this concept in other passages before. I'll read a couple of those in Exodus. It says, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. We also see in Ephesians, children, obey your parents, a similar promise. And then uh, when it comes to peace, scripture talks a lot about peace in a lot of places, but one of my favorites is Psalm 119. Great peace of those who love your law, Nothing can make them stumble. Man, such a great passage. So if you set your mind and your will and your emotion or your heart on loving God and loving one another, then you may have a long, peaceful life. Um, There are a lot of natural consequences to sin. And that's why I say may. You know, we read it in here and I mean, nobody's guaranteed even today. You know, we have to take each day one at a time. The Lord can call some at any moment. Um, But even for the non-Christian who isn't under um, God's grace and they're doing their own thing, um, there's a lot of terrible things that can happen to you if you're not doing what God instructs us to do. And I'll give you some examples here. Um, Sin on a primary level is just disobeying God. It's not doing, you know, what he calls us to do. Um, But I love this passage in Corinthians. And it goes from like zero to 100 really quick. Um, and we're familiar with it, that really outlines like some practical ways that people sin against God. 
Um, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. If we look at the sexually immoral and um, people who have a lot of partners, um, there's a health risk to that. Like just on a practical level, like there's things that can happen to you that will shorten your life if you choose to do that, Christian or not. Um, same with adulterers. Not only do they have that to deal with, but now they also have the added stress of trying to hide and lie. And stress can cause a multitude of illness um, in somebody's life. I mean, there's a lot of unexplained medical things that happen. They're like, I think this is stress-related. I don't know. Um, or thieves. Thinking about people that steal, like embezzle money, or like they literally just go into a store and steal stuff. I mean, they have to live with the anxiety of like being found out. Or maybe they are found out and they go to jail. Like those kinds of things, Christian or non, those are going to shorten your lives. And lastly, drunkards. I mean, if you're getting drunk every single day and you're trying to function in that manner, your body just won't handle that. You won't be able to have a long life inside of that. In addition to the fact that you might not be able to keep a job, you'll be a hazard if you're in a car. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of natural consequences to sin and a lot of practical application to doing stuff that just simply honors God. Um, so as we talk about this passage and it says, length and days, the years of life um, are going to be given to you if you do these things. I mean, there's a really practical application. Like, yeah, you can see, you know, even in the world. Well, yeah, these things are very true. There's this study, I'm pretty sure Paul talked about this study pretty recently, um, from the 30s that Harvard did. Um, and the study started just to see, like, what is it that causes people to live long? So they took these people, and they've been following them, and some of those people are still alive today. And this is what they determined. I'll read this. Those who kept warm relationships got to live longer and happier, said Waldinger, and the loners often died earlier. Loneliness kills, he said. It's as powerful as smoking or alcoholism. That's Robert Waldinger. Um, if we're truly loving God and loving people, we have to interface with them to do that. Um, I love it. Paul said just the other day, he's like, when we hired you, Joe, he's like, I didn't realize how much of an introvert you are. This is my office over here, and I love it. It's by itself over here. I can be very loud and noisy and not distract anybody. But at the end of the day, like, I really recharge on my own. But you can't be the hands and feet of Jesus in this office in the corner. You've got to go out and be with people and be around them. Um, and the same with God. Like, you can't have a relationship with God if you don't ever talk to him. You never read his word. You have to be engaged in those things. And it's funny, even in a secular world, they're like, you know, the lonely people, they, they pass away earlier than the people who have warm, committed relationships. And we see this true in God's word. He's telling us to do this. Um, and there's a promise attached to that. Here's verse three. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. When I read this passage, I got a, I got a good little chuckle. Because I think about um, like the atheist who's reading the Bible with the lens of like, okay, I'm going to read this to disprove that God is real and to show that there's discrepancies happening here. Or we have the agnostic who's like, okay, God is real, but we can't know him. And this is what we have going on here. And you have the Christian who's like, wow, God is amazing. And I read this passage and I think of the very first time that these words were spoken like that. And that's in Exodus um, where God describes himself with steadfast love and faithfulness right together. And this is right after Moses, like, gets the Ten Commandments, come down, sees the golden idol, bam, they're gone. Then he goes right back up to get them again. And um, 
as before God gives him the Ten Commandments the second time, he says that I am full of steadfast love and faithfulness, and then he gives it to them. And then even to see the vocabulary in here, write them on the tablet of your heart. He just gave Moses Ten Commandments on two stone tablets. Um, it's just this beautiful imagery. But for us, what is it to have steadfast love and faithfulness? I pray often um, a prayer of thanksgiving, usually at the end of worship, for God's steadfast love. Thankful to God that his love isn't like my love. Like some days I don't feel like loving people, um, but God loves people all the time and steadfast and in an amazing way. And here in the Proverbs, we read that we should have that same characteristic. We should be seeking that with our heart, which is like everything. Um, even this morning, I found it hard. Like I was driving in and I'm driving on Bogey Lake and there's this guy behind me, brights on, riding me hard. I'm just like, dude, I'm speeding. This is Bogey Lake, like a super windy, the speed limit. Yeah, all the way to the church. I'm going to pull into church then. You're going to watch me, you know. I mean, it's so easy when we're tired to be a punk, you know, and to not want to do these things. But really, I mean, all the time, we need to be seeking after the Lord and seeking these things. So that's steadfast love. Uh, for faithfulness, um, I, I hesitate because, like, sometimes in church, these words just become cliches because we sing about them all the time. You know, it's part of the reason why we do communion once a month. Like, we want it to be you know, for people to understand the weight of what we're talking about. Um, and some of these words like steadfast love, is like, okay, Jesus is love. Like I heard this so many times, but it's still true. And it's so important for faithfulness. It's the concept of unfailingly remaining loyal to someone or something and putting that loyalty into constant practice, regardless of your circumstances. Man, that's so hard to do, but so important. Um, and in this passage, we're encouraged to not forsake them but instead to bind them around our neck and to write them on the tablet of your heart. Nobody wears a necklace and it's just like, I want to make sure nobody ever sees this. Nobody knows I'm wearing it. And to put it on the tablet of your heart means to like, to be serious about it, to be thinking about it in a way where it's, it's part of you. It's written onto you. If you etch into stone something, it's not going away anytime soon. Unless your friend like makes a golden calf and you're like, but um, apart from that, it's seriously in there. And we should take that effort to bind um, that into our hearts. Um, here's verse four. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So what is the opposite of steadfast love and faithfulness? For steadfast love, it'd be like temporal love, like what I shared this morning when I drove the speed limit coming in. Um, or like just not being in the mood to give somebody the time of day. You, know, you ever had those like, oh, I had a bad day today. So you're like kind of withdrawal and you don't want to engage in opportunities to to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Or I think even one step further would be like hate. Like that's the polar opposite of steadfast love. Um, where you're just you're just upset with everybody. You don't like them, you don't love them, you don't do anything for anybody. Um, and faithfulness, you know, be unfaithful, which is kind of just adding on isn't very descriptive, but you're not reliable. You're not dependable. You're not committed to whatever the cause is. You just do whatever you feel these things, they could, like, in a work setting, like, maybe you can operate that way and climb the ladder of success. But if you do that and you get there, it's, you're going to be all alone. Nobody's going to want to be around you or be with you if you're hateful in your heart and you're not faithful. Um, but the opposite is true. If you do that, it's going to lead to meaningful relationships. And what I love about this passage is um, God says that you're going to find favor and good success, not just in God's eyes, but even here, too. Like, these are good qualities to have. Because even in your time on earth, people around you are going to enjoy their time with you. You know, you're going to have good success. Um, but most importantly is God. 
And by doing these things, we're actually worshiping him. And when we're tired and we decide to choose love, um, we worship God. Same with faithfulness. And God is the ultimate example of perfect love and faithfulness for us. This passage really points right back to verse 1, which says that in our hearts, meaning with our mind, with our actions, with our feelings, we need to love God. and We need to love other people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. This verse is why I want to be up here talking today. This verse has meant so much to me over so many years. I can't tell you when I've reached out to parents and said, hey, what do I do about this? What do I do about that? Where a big decision comes up and I have to decide, hey, are we going to move to, to White Lake, Michigan? Are we going to stay here? Whenever that comes up, um, you know, a wise person in the church will usually tell me, trust in the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. This is a really easy proverb to understand and like so difficult to just do it consistently and faithfully. Um, But it's important. How do we know or trust that this wisdom that we find in Proverbs is really from the Lord? Um, I'm not going to go down the path of like standing on the Bible, although we can stand on the Bible very firm. That's a whole message. I'll let Devin do that on January 1st usually. Um, But the Bible's legit. You can trust it. It's God's word. Um, But with this passage in particular, one way that I know for sure it's wisdom from the Lord is it's directly contradictory to what the world tells us to do. The world tells us the exact opposite. To do whatever you think is right. To do whatever you feel is right. To just follow your heart and do whatever makes you happy. That is the wisdom of the world, which is opposite of what God tells us here in Proverbs. Uh, In Jeremiah, you know, we read that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You know, think about the, the dark secrets in the corners of your heart that God already knows. And he still loves you. Like, that's so amazing. The world's telling you, hey, you should just act on those things and do those things. Um, I think a piece of that is this common understanding um, that I think people have that we are smarter now than we have ever been before. I have the newest iPhone. That means I'm smart. I have Siri. She can tell me all things. No, but I think people really believe this. So much so, there's actually a name for it. It's called the Flynn Effect. And there's this cool little uh, diagram here. Um put on by researchers saying that, yeah, look, we've been uh, tracking IQs and they are going up with time. And uh, one of the problems with this is people are disregarding, you know, the history that we've laid on and people are saying, well, our ideas now are better. And you're seeing this manifest in everywhere, like in parenting techniques, like there's a new way to parent kids and it's, and it's better than how people have been parenting kids for thousands of years. There's new ways to have, you know, to deal with people socially and like what's acceptable and what's not. Um, There's new ways to even work. You're working from home, and this is better. You know, whatever it is. There's all kinds of things. Um, Does anybody know Ye? Formerly known as Kanye West. I love this dude, all right? Now, I'm not his pastor. I can't tell you, you know, I'm not responsible for his, if he's a Christian, if he's not. But what I love about this dude is he's got a massive platform, and he's talking about Jesus on it which I think is so bold and so courageous. When he became a Christian, he like released a Christian album and uh, Devin sent me this picture of like a Goliath, like stepping over all of Christian music. You know, he just took all his resources and like, I'm going to do an album for God. An ultrasound of a baby. And it was so controversial that Fox News is like, we're going to interview him on Carlson. So um, this is how that interview went. Um, so Kanye West sat down with Carlson and Fox News to talk about this ultrasound lanyard. 
Uh, and uh, he asked him, like, what's, what's the deal with that? And this was Ye's response. It represents life. I'm pro-life. I care about the fact that there's more black babies being aborted than born in New York City at this point. And then he went on to say that it's actually the leading cause of death for black Americans. Um, basically, as soon as he said that on Fox News, um, Newsweek wrote this article to refute it. And it says this, Ye was referring to outdated information when making his comments. 2013 and 2016, there were more abortions, but in the later years, there's been less. So he's wrong. Uh, I looked at those stats, and it's almost 50-50 every year for aborted babies in New York City and ones that are born. Um, and the years that it's more, it's like just by a small margin. Um, and then they wanted to refuse comment saying that it's the leading killer uh, for black people. And he says, uh, Newsweek says this, his comment could be interpreted to mean that a major cause of death for black people in the U.S. is abortion. But the underlying premise of this statement is then misleading because it would mean defining a fetus as a living person and an abortion as death of it. So that just makes my heart hurt so much when I read that. Um, and it kind of gets doubled down here. Um, according to The Who, which is the organization that none of us knew about two years ago, but now we all know about it. Um, the leading cause of death in the world is heart disease. They estimate 9 million people die a year, and that's the leading cause of death. The same people, the WHO, also say that they estimate there's 40 to 50 million abortions worldwide in one year. Staggering. So many more. So are we really smarter than before? No, I would say we need God now more than ever before. I think about um, Isla, my newborn, she's over here, um, kicking in the womb like crazy. She's got these Snyder feet, yellow, by the way, in case you're wondering. She's got these Snyder feet, and she's kicking, and it was really painful for Kayla. Guess what? She got out of the womb, I'm holding her, kick, 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 kick. It's the same person. Same with Rowan. During worship, it's party time, dance time, like every Sunday. Am I wrong? No. It was, like, she went crazy for worship, and then Mary Kay would come up and read scripture, and boom, out like a light. Gone. (laughs) But even today, we still, I mean, with Rowan, we have music time every week. We sing songs at home, and she loves music. She's the same in the womb when God carefully knitted her as she is now. And I feel like our society feels like it's so smart and so advanced, but we can't understand this simple concept. And uh, it's really heartbreaking. Your IQ does not reveal the level of trust you have in the Lord. It reveals how many things you've learned, but not the level of trust you have in the Lord. In the end, all that matters is where you stand before God, not how many books you've read. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because that is really the only book that matters. So how do we actually trust God? Well, to trust God, you have to know God. I think about... um, when I was getting to know Kayla, you know, the process of that was, you know, I got to go spend time with her, learn about her dislikes, learn about her likes, learn about some of the things that she's done. I got to go meet with her family and learn about her family. And for me, I have a hard time remembering things. Um, so I take lots and lots and lots and lots of notes. And I have for a long time. Not in school, though, because, you know, that's cool. But in life, I take lots of notes. I've got a very detailed calendar. Um, even every day is like, listen, what I need to do. And for Kayla... And her contact on my phone 
I have notes from like when we first started dating. Every time she'd tell me something, like, okay, her cat's name is Smokey. I'm not going to forget that. Her favorite color is green. Okay, I got that written down too. She likes medium dark roast. Oh, I wrote it down here because I can't remember. Uh, four cream, three sugar from Dunkies. Um, thankfully, the Lord delivered her from that when we got married, and now we, we drink Steptown coffee. But um, these are important things, and I'm interested in her, and I'm writing them down so I don't forget them because I care about her, and I love her, and I'm growing to trust her in this. Well, it's very similar with getting to know God. You can't trust God if you don't know God. Do you know what he likes? Do you know what he dislikes? Have you learned about his family? Have you seen his faithfulness with his family? Have you written his word on the tablet of your heart? If you want to trust God, you can't do that if you don't know God. If you haven't seen how trustworthy he has been and have the confidence that he is still the same today as he was yesterday. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I've got another question for you. Do you credit yourself for your successes and blame God for your failures? That would be the best way to do the opposite of what the scripture is teaching us. Man, I did so good at work, I got a promotion. <laughs> you know, or, oh, I'm such a rock star at home, like this thing happened. Or, or whatever it is that you think you put your effort into that turned out well, that you like did one of these things. Well, how did you get there? <laughs> Where'd that brain come from? Like God literally knitted us in the womb and created us and gave us likes and dislikes and gave us, you know, intelligence and the ability to do things. Um, I mean, to him be all the glory for everything. And the opposite is true too. Like when things aren't going well, you can't blame God for those things. We need to hold fast to him to help, you know, to ask him to help us get through those challenges, not to blame him for them. Um, one thing that I've seen uh, in church is that when somebody goes through something really serious, one of two things happens. Either they blame God for it and they turn away from him or they hold fast to God and they become stronger than they've ever been before. Any of the older couples or older people in our church that have been through some serious stuff with the Lord are some of the strongest Christians you'll ever meet because they know what it's like to have the only option be holding fast to God. There's no earthly option that will get you through. They got to hold tight to God. And it's a blessing sometimes to go through these really difficult situations to see God's steadfast love in your life, to see his faithfulness in action. When I was reading this passage about him making your pastry, it brought me back to when I was a teenager and I got to go on this really cool hiking expedition in what's called Triple H Ranch. Um, I have this picture. It's actually from Philmont. I thought it was from there, but this is my first Facebook picture ever. Nice and pixelated. Might have been from MySpace too. Uh, that's like teenage Joe with the long shaggy hair, carrying everything I need for two weeks. Um, and this place was cool. Uh, it was only open for a couple of years. I think somebody like died on one of the trucks there. Um, that's a rumor. I don't know, but it makes me seem tough. Um, but basically you go to base camp and then they drop you off with a guide and you know you pick your points. And for us, we were doing like 10 miles a day hiking. And um, they say, you need to be at the other camp in seven days or we're going to send a very expensive search team for you. And, and they're serious. They're, I mean, you've got seven days to get there. You only have like maybe eight days of food on your back anyway. And we're like, there's no trails. There's no restrooms. You're drinking water out of streams with the polar pier praying that it's not too green to drink. 
And, uh, and that's how they roll. And the tour guy was with you just for a few days, basically until he felt like, okay, these guys are going to make it. And then he hiked back to base camp. And um, when he first gave us the GPS to get from point A to point B, it only had coordinates. There was no map on it. So the first day, we literally hiked straight from point A to point B in the mountains in New Mexico. And it was exhausting. <laughs> you're going down, and then you're going up, and then you're going down. And if you've ever hiked with a big pack, going down is actually worse than going up because you're trying to navigate going down with 50, 60 pounds. And then uh, we eventually got there, and it was really tiring. And after a couple of days, he gave us this chip. We plugged it in, and it gave us the topography of the area. It was a map. So we planned our route. So instead of going straight from A to B, we could kind of follow the contour and not do as much up and down. But it really made me think about um, God making our path straight. Him making our path straight is not making our path easy. I don't want you to think that. From A to B when I was hiking was not easy. It was the straightest route. But man, there were some serious ups and downs. And even though God will make your path straight, if you do these things and acknowledge him and everything, it does not mean he's going to make your path easy. So some false promises that people might get out of reading this passage is, you know, things will always go well and things will always work out in my favor if I acknowledge the Lord. Or I will always be happy. Well, those things are not true at all. What is true is that your path will be straight. It's true that God will give you peace in your hearts, both in times of trouble here and the security you have for eternity. God promises that he'll give you rest and that he will not leave you. And lastly, that your life is secure in Christ forever. Those are true promises of Christ. Here's verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This is basically a reiteration of verse 5. We're supposed to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and not lean on our own understanding. Verse 8, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So what are the big takeaways of God in love? People who are called to pursue God and people with our whole heart. That means what we talked about with heart, that you're doing it with your intentional actions, that you're coming around people with your emotions and their emotions, and that you're thinking about ways. You're thinking about ways. How can I be closer to God? How can I be closer to those around us? You're really committing all that you are to that commandment, to loving God and loving people. Two is to trust the Lord with everything you are in every situation. Don't try to create your own wisdom or follow other people's created wisdom, but seek God's wisdom. God's wisdom is very contradictory to the world. And it comes with not only do we worship God when we trust God and we follow and do what he says, but there's also a lot of practical implication. Like if you do the things that God um, commands us to do, like life will go better. You know, you will have less pitfalls. Yes, there will be downs and ups, but there will be far less than if you can make your own path. And lastly, if we trust, pursue, and acknowledge God, he will add to our days, give us peace, give us favor and success with him and others, and make our paths straight. Monday, I had this cool opportunity um, to go to the Cranbrook Institute of Science. Anybody ever been there before? Or know what I'm talking about? It's a super cool place. I don't know about you, but I kind of geek out about these things. We took the family. This is like a big old dinosaur and Rowan checking it out. Um, what they were doing is they needed some video content for promotional purposes, for online, Facebook, whatever. Um, so there's a gentleman in our church that does all our video stuff. He's like, hey, your family would be perfect. You want to come? I was like, yeah, we'll be there. So we went there in the evening when it was closed. We had the whole place to ourselves. So we're like, you know, checking out all the exhibits and there's nobody there waiting for a video spot, which this is, uh, have you ever tried to entertain a toddler for an hour before you got to do a video? Whatever is fine. As long as she's not breaking stuff, I don't care. Um, 
so we're doing this, and then we came across this exhibit. They have a water exhibit. I'm like, hey, Rowan, stand over there. I'm going to get a picture. And I want to read to you what this says. Um, and this thing in particular is one of the reasons I love going to the museum. Um, by the way, you can love dinosaurs and love Jesus at the same time. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I love when I'm reading about it. They're like, and this thing here, it got here because, like, the dirt fell on it and it was pressurized forever. Like, let's just slap a 10 million year thing on there. And me, I'm like, God, thank you for killing the dinosaurs before I got here. <laughs> I don't need one more reason to not go outside. Um, but as I'm looking at stuff and like science is being like, wow, this is so cool. This is so amazing. I'm like in the same eyes, like, yes, like God is so cool. He is so amazing. He's done and created so many really neat things. And when I read this, I was like, oh man, check this out. So let me read it to you. Water is like nothing else. Think about water. It's everywhere in many different forms. We find water as ice and cubes and glaciers as liquid in a glass or falling as rain. It rises as vapor from geysers and tea kettles. Water is a powerful force on our planet. It carves canyons, corrodes steel, and blankets both poles with miles of ice. It binds all life together. Water is the main ingredient in every creature, from bacteria to walruses to humans. Those that don't live in water carry it inside themselves to cool, protect, and cleanse. What the museum is trying to get you to do is to think about water and how amazing it is and how it's everywhere and how it's done all these wild things. And I saw this, I was like, man, like 80% of this is true about God. Like he's way more amazing than water is. Uh, so I rewrote that. If this were about God, this is what it would be. God is like no one else. Think about him. He's omnipresent. He's created water as ice and cubes and glaciers, as liquid in a glass or falling as rain. He is the powerful force in the universe. He carved canyons, corroded steel, and blankets both poles with miles of ice. He literally holds all life together. He created everything from bacteria to walruses to humans. Those who know him carry his spirit inside themselves. By the grace of God, through Jesus, he cleanses us of our sins. God is truly like no one else. And this passage is as timely today as it was when it was penned in the 10th PC. In all things, trust the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Let's pray together. Lord God, you are all powerful. You are all knowing. And Lord, I'm so thankful that as king of the universe, you came down and reached out for us. Lord, thank you for your steadfast love Thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to not forsake those things, but to seek after them. Lord, thank you for being the perfect model of love. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us a desire to want to have a relationship with you and to seek that relationship earnestly with all of our mind, with all of our emotions, with all of our desire to know and to love you more. And Lord, I pray that as an outpouring of that love, that people will know we're Christians by the love we have for one another that will reach into our community, to our neighbors, to our family, our loved ones, and that they will know truly that we are a Christ follower because of our love and our care for them. Lord, I pray against the times when we're tired or we're going through a hard time and we don't want to be that person. We don't want to do those things. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll strengthen us to have steadfast love and to be faithful in those moments. And Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, who is the perfect example of what love is 
that he would die for us in our place, that we can have new life because of him. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.